What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo Di Montalbano. We got the full house today with the BTT boys. Fellas, how are we feeling? We got week five of the college football season. We're talking college ball, so I'm feeling fucking good. Uh, coming off a last-second win for Ohio State against uh, Notre Dame. Lou Holtz can suck it. Whoa, whoa. Bastard. No, we're, we're enemies of Lou Holtz here. Guy's a clown. Uh, but yeah, feeling good. Feeling good for college. Don't disrespect coach like that. Yeah, so, He's so right. disgusting to look at. <laughs> Dino, how are we doing, buddy? Oh, we're feeling good. That that slate, although it had all the hype in the world, I, I was seeing people on Twitter call it top five ever. It definitely did not deliver. I'm just going to say it as it is. I, I believe everyone's thinking that way. I don't know how you can see it any other way. And Honestly, I'm looking at this next week's slate, and I'm pumped for some of these games. Yeah, hey, I mean, better. just okay. just like just like a UFC card, the card's only as good as the main event, and the main right. event did deliver. I don't know about that. The main event maybe didn't. For ca- maybe for casuals, casuals think that way. Yes, not 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 people who care. Fair enough. All right, fellas, before we get to uh, a nice slate this week, we're going to talk about some prospects that had a really good week. Uh, who wants to start? I'll, I'll tell you over. Um, so sticking with my boys from the Ohio State University, I talked about a bunch of their defensive linemen who I was thinking was going to be make a major impact. I uh, obviously JT Tui uh Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall, but the one who really I think took over and impressed me the most was Tyleek Williams on the interior of that defensive line. Uh, coming in this season, I thought he was more of a like a gap, like a, a two gap like run stuffer, but he's really shown out to start the season, and especially against Notre Dame, he played. 55 snaps on defense, which was like the most of the, of the year. And he was penetrating really well uh, and just absolutely outmanning the offensive line from Notre Dame. So he had five tackles, four uh, run stops, a tackle for a loss, a pass def- uh, deflected, and then two uh, hurries on Sam Hartman as well. I really love how he's able to penetrate and just make some plays behind the line of scrimmage and just force, force some pressure on the quarterback, which I thought was lacking in this game uh, last year. But He's 6'2", 290 plus. He's showing really good athleticism too. So he's a defensive lineman who's going to be climbing, I think, in this draft. Uh, he's an underclassman, so you never know nowadays he could return if he doesn't think he's gotten grade high enough. But someone with his athleticism and playing at, at a school like Ohio State and just the amount of snaps he's been getting on that on that deep defensive line, I don't know. He's he's having a, a career year, so I can see him being a day two defensive tackle right now. Nice. Like it. Do you know who you got? It's a lot. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to talk about a guy who just, you know, young man have a day. That's all I wrote down. It's just, just all in caps. But it's, it's Junior Edge, uh, obviously, Utah Ute. Uh, I don't know why it'd be obvious, but I just wanted to make sure <laughs> the boys heard that. Uh, Edge Jonah Ellis. I mean, he's just been tearing it up. Former three-star, really not highly, highly recruited. And granted, this was against a UCLA, UCLA team led by a highly touted freshman quarterback in, in, you know, Dante Moore, his first real big time competition, but just the way in which this Utah defense just dominated and single-handedly won this game was amazing. Uh, Overall, this team is still coached by Chip Kelly, this UCLA team, and it was the 23rd in the country. So it's, you know, it's no slapdick team by any stretch of the imagination. And Jonah Ellis went out there and it looked like he was playing an FCS school. Uh, I mean, it's the only way to see it. He led the way with four sacks. I, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, it. You know, it's a college football game. Four sacks. 
ranked versus ranked. You know, granted, the Bruins don't have the best O-line. His power rush and just the arsenal of pass rush moves he was using were uh, was actually surprising. I it was so cool to see him. And you know, there's there's a ton of clips on uh, Twitter right now or X, whatever you call it, of his uh, textbook spin moves. And I mean, they're NFL caliber. That that seems to be his his bread and butter. You know, I, I genuinely think he's going to start to bulk up even a tad more if he can get to that two fifty five ish range where NFL, you know, teams and front offices love to see their edge prospects get to. This could be a top-notch guy who could surprise and and go from, you know, a guy who's just been surging to a guy who has considerable attention looking in like round 2, potentially uh round 1, but that might be crazy. But I wanted right. to see Ray's face as I said it. Yeah, a a deep edge class and uh we'll definitely add his name to the list. Uh I'm going to wrap us up here and for anybody who's ever listened to the show, you know this is a Spencer Rattler slander pod. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give this guy his flowers right now. He's been balling out this season, especially with less than ideal conditions on the offensive line. Um, and Juice Wells has been banged up too with a foot injury last week against Mississippi State. Was 18 for 20 with 288 yards and three touchdowns. Also had 43 yards on the ground this season. He's got just under. Uh, 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. This guy's played his ass off, and from everything I've read, he just is a completely different guy than he was at Oklahoma, that he was at in high school, which is where my hate started for him, watching that QB1 series on Netflix. He was just a pompous asshole. He was horrible to his teammates, um, and it seems like he's completely done a 180, has been completely humbled throughout his experience with Oklahoma, obviously being the number one quarterback in his class. Um, and then since having to transfer, losing his job to Caleb Williams during our quarterback summer scouting, like he was not brought up at all. And two years ago, this was a guy going into his last season at Oklahoma who was, people were talking about as possibly the number one quarterback to come out in the draft. I would watch out for Spencer Rattler um, to make some noise, especially late in the season to get into this group of like the second tier of quarterbacks with Bo Nix and yours and, and JJ McCarthy and those kind of guys, he's got a big arm and he makes some really, really nice throws. Um, so yeah, watch out for Spencer Rattler. We'll give you your flowers for one week and then uh, we'll hate your guts again. Not, not we, it's you. Fair I'm enough. So I'm so over quarterback with arm talent. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> he's played his ass off. All right, fellas, let's get to the game previews. We are going to start with number 10, Utah, on the road, going to number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Utah won the last meeting, uh, but in 2021 was the last time they played at Oregon State. Utah lost 42-34. to um, So, Ray, talk to me about this Oregon State team um, and what they need to do to win. Yeah, I mean, so they just lost a heartbreaker to Wazoo. Um, on, on offense, I think it's really going to – I think a lot of this is going to go into DJ Ugiogale's hands. Uh, he's got to be way more efficient. He was, I think, 50% completion percentage, uh, under 200 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt last week. That's just not going to cut it in this game. They This is a team that's been really relying on that run game with Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick. But against this Utah defense, who's allowed, I want to say, 51 yards per game on the ground, and that's coming against 
uh, a team like Florida and UCLA who who's known for their rushing attacks. I don't think that's I don't think you can be able to rely on that on offense. I think it's going to come a lot more is going to be handed on DJ's plate, and he's going to have to deliver and just a, much more efficient than that fifty percent completion percentage. And then on defense, last week in partic- in particular, they got gashed through the air. I think it was like four hundred plus, but just a lot of big big plays. I think they had two uh, two deep touchdown uh, passes that they allowed. Again, I don't know if that's going to come into play this much against this Utah offense. That's not really their style. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a knockdown, drag it out game. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I think that they do get the edge with Utah having to go on the road and them, them hosting because we all know that Utah is just infinitely better at home. So I think it's going to be a really close game. I think the line is uh, uh, of three and a half is appropriate. I just don't know which way it's going to go to be honest. I think it's going to be a one possession game. It'll probably come down to that last, that last drive. Nice. Dino, what do you think about this Utah team? Yeah, I'm not really sure what to think about it. The line opened uh, at some shops around Utah plus two and a half. And I thought that would be too expected. I think that's a perfect number. I feel like it probably goes to close to a pick them. If you know, rising and Keithy, you know, are playing. And if they're, you know, if it's decided that they're not, it'll go through the three number, but it, you know, with it still being a question mark and us not knowing much, it, it went, it surged through the key number of three. It's comfortably at three and a half, just like Ray said. Um, I would say that might end, indicate another Nate Johnson start for the Utes. Uh, you know, additional evidence of this for sure is the total on the game. I mean, it got bet down from 47 and a half to 44 and a half. And, you know, we all know what this team is and can be with Rising and Keithy. I mean, it's a, it's a pack well it's a pack 12 championship winner back back to back years and i mean this is their best defense of those years as well uh, i mean it looks like it might be I, I know they haven't gone against the best competition yet but that is to be seen and you know i i would say with winningham you know he's kept everything to the chest most things has been you know just sending out smoke screens thus far uh you know i thought he was going to definitely play last week he came out he dressed i guess that would be a, a you know I guess a, a step in the right direction, but you know, he still didn't end up playing. I, I like to think that it's both. It was most likely a smoke screen, but uh, you know, I feel like to speculate on the offense is, you know, you really can't until we, you know, know more. I, that's the most I could give on that defensively. This team has, you know, has just some studs. Uh, I spoke about him at the top of the pod, you know, edge Jonah Ellis, uh, highly touted safety Cole Bishop, uh, a guy who's in a, a lot of people's top 10 um, as far as the NFL draft is concerned going into year at safety um, or corner, however you see him. Uh, linebackers, Reed and Barton. Barton's really come on. That's been big for them. Obviously, Reed had the big pick six for them that that won that UCLA game last week for them. Um, but, you know, this will be a considerable jump in opposing talent along the offensive line. And I think that's really where this game is mostly played and where as a Utah fan, you would, you would be worried. I mean, this team will not be able to win a slow drawn out low scoring game like they did against UCLA at all. Uh, The pass rush will definitely need to get home and Whittingham will have to take the training wheels off of Nate Johnson. Uh, He said it before in, in, in pressers that he wants to give him those opportunities. We watch the game. He doesn't give them the opportunities and that's not going to cut it against, you know, against Oregon state. And I think DJU, I think he's, uh, I, I think he's played well thus far. And I think, you know, they, they obviously have the, that great uh, running back tandem. 
they're going to be a problem for this team. I, I'm really interested if Rising and Keith be play. I, I feel like this line movement kind of indicated to us that they won't. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to. They have a bye next week, too. And I think they just want to be extra safe. In their mind, they want to get to the bye and then get to the rest of the Pac-12 schedule. But, man, I mean, you mentioned him a bunch of times. Kyle Winningham, what a fucking job this guy has done. They're 10th in the country without their starting quarterback. Nobody's talking about them. And they're the back-to-back Pac-12 champions. Like, it's It really is unbelievable what what he's done with this program. Um, Really like everything you guys said. I really do think this game is going to come down to DJ making some throws, especially on third down. I think it's really important for Utah to load the box and make him throw under pressure. Um, They are number one. Utah is in third down percentage uh, allowed just under 20% of third down conversions they've allowed this season. That's unbelievable. So if they can get into some long third down situations and force DJ to beat you, I think that's the key for Utah. And if he can hit on a couple of those plays, um, Oregon State can uh, can take this. But I think it's going to be, like you guys said, a grinded out game for sure. All right, boys, let's move to game number two. We got number eight, USC, going to Colorado after a brutal loss. So Oregon, USC is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. Dino, we'll start with you uh, with this USC team, uh, with this Colorado team, excuse me. Talk to me about Colorado and how they rebound. Yeah, I want to definitely start on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, This is different from any other team I'm starting off with. I'm going to start offense to defense, but I definitely wanted to highlight it because for Sanders and the Buffaloes, this might go from bad to, to yikes. I mean, defensively, the Buffaloes came, you know, gave up 35 in the first half to Bo Nix and company and have not been stretched, have not been stout by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they're going to have to now face the best offense and best QB in the country with a ridiculous 0.47 EPA per play. That first off, that stat sounds fake. Uh, 0.47 EPA per play. You know, to really put it in perspective, there are there are great offenses in the country that are going like 0.25, and they're they're great pass. I, I'm pretty sure Jordan Travis and the F and the Knowles are like right right around half of that EPA per play, which is crazy. I, I do have to say that I just naturally believe in Prime when he says, "This is the worst you will see us." But I don't know how in my head I can justify it when they will still be without Travis Hunter and USC should be able to move it at will. It, it it might be similar to the Oregon game where it's just sad to watch. That makes sense why it's at 21 and a half. I actually thought it would start out higher. I thought it'd be at like 24 and a half. I don't know. And it's actually really funny to see how salty and how, hmm, how can I say this? How fast betters are to just just leave the ship after it sank. It's so funny because about sixty five percent of the money and sixty five percent of the bets have now this week gone on USC minus the twenty one and a half, which has obviously been a a big change of pace considering Colorado has been getting ninety percent plus of the mo- plus percentage of the money even even on the money line. When they were big, when they were the big underdogs. Uh, luckily, though, I will say this: offensively, Shadur should see much more success against the Trojans than you know the smothering that took place in Duck Stadium. 
USC's defense currently ranks 68th. You know, Ray will go in detail with that. And even against questionable competition has definitely been exposed at times in the passing game. Prime will definitely have to lean into and just sell out for, you know, 55, 50 plus attempts for, you know, his son Shadur to to keep the game within the zip code score wise. Uh, no surprise <laughs> this game also. Uh, it total the total opened at a crazy seven one and a half, and it's rising. It's still rising currently. Is that seventy three and a half? I would not be shocked if it goes through to seventy four and a half by by kickoff. That's wild, right? Talk to me about USC um, and what they need to do to obviously get a win and then just keep progressing towards uh, a college football playoff. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I think Dean and I are pretty much on the same page in this game. Uh, this USC offense is up there with the best in the country. I mean, we all know what Caleb's going to do. Caleb's going to eat, and those wide receiver, uh, wide receivers, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington, amongst all the other ones. There's just a, there's just a big play waiting to happen. But I think what I'm really excited to see with this offense, if if Marshawn Lloyd can keep it going, he had a breakout game last week. The uh, for 14 carries for 154 yards, over 10 yards of carries, kind of crazy. Uh, as a South Carolina transfer, this is his first year in this offense. If they can get him going and and just be such a balanced attack where you can run it, pass like they do, take a little bit off Caleb Williams' plate, even though I don't know if he needs anything off his plate. I think that just will go a long way for this offense to develop and just be an absolute championship caliber. caliber when it comes to, uh, I guess, late in the season, November and January. Uh, and then on defense, I think the goal is you have to contain Shadur. Don't let him escape the pocket and extend plays. I think that's when their offense at their best and uh, he can extend it and make big plays happen. And then also that back end, I think they just need to keep the ball in front of them and just wrap up and tackle. This defense, I've seen it too many times, is just pitiful tackling team. So I think just – Wrap up, keep the ball in front of you, and do not let Shador Sanders extend the play. I think they'll be fine. I think this 21 and a half will probably be covered too. Yeah. You mentioned Lloyd. Uh, he's averaging 8.9 yards a carry right now, but their three top backs are all averaging over eight yards a carry for USC. This That's what happens thing. when you have an explosive quarterback, right? Yeah, the whole offense. Less loaded just... boxes. Um, yeah, this USC offense is actually humming, and it's been really interesting to watch. You mentioned the freshman. Uh, Branch. They always. They also have the other guy, Deuce, uh, who's a six-six wide receiver. Like they brought in Dorian Singer from Arizona, and Mario Williams was a big-time returner for last year. They are fifth and sixth on this team in receiving yards, which is absolutely crazy. It's it's really unbelievable what they've been able to do with the skill guys. Um, I agree. I think USC probably covers this. Colorado ranked 111th in pass yards allowed per game and their bottom 20 in rush yards allowed and rush yards per, te- per attempt. And we saw Bucky Irvin last week put his head down and run through people on that defense. Um, I agree. I think it's going to be another tough sledding week for Coach Prime and company. Let's move on to the third game. We got number 24, Kansas. Go Jayhawks. Rock chalk. <laughs> um, versus number three, Texas. Texas a 16.5-point favorite right now. Texas won last year's meeting 55 to 14. Uh, but this Kansas team really has a new feel, especially with Jalen Daniels back. Jalen Daniels has been balling um, in the last few games. Ray, you got Texas here. Talk to me about how they keep it rolling. They've, they've looked great, honestly, the past few weeks. Yeah, I think this is a great matchup for Texas, too. I think it's no secret Kansas wants to run the football and just 
dominate time and possession. Uh, Texas's defense has been so stout against their run this year. I think that's probably the strength of their defense. Obviously, they've allowed only 87 yards per game on the uh, on the ground. I think they really have to they have to be concerned with Daniels. His obviously his dual threat ability, but they were able to keep Milrow in check too. He only ran for less than 50 yards against them. So I think their defense matches up pretty well against this Kansas offense. And then offensively. Continue to keep Quinn Ewers upright. This offense is going to eat, especially with this this passing attack. Uh, I think Quinn's got to continue to play just mistake-free football. No turnovers. You cannot give this Kansas offense extra possessions because they just want to grind it out, keep running, move the sticks, and just tire the defense out. And by the second half or the fourth quarter, they'll take over. So I think if Quinn Ewers, especially early on, limits the mistakes and just this offense moves down the field, get up to an early lead, I think that's their best uh, method of victory. You know, talk to me about Kansas and uh, how they possibly get a nice upset in yeah, UT. No, I, I like I like this game a lot. I, as a gambler, this is definitely one of the more intriguing games uh, of the slate spread. I don't know how I'm going to attack it. Who knows? Maybe maybe by the end of the pod, I'll I'll just shotgun something because that's Rock usually chalk. how I that's usually how I operate. And God has it been working. But uh, you know, spread opened up around around like nineteen nineteen and a half. Uh, and is now at 16 and a half uh, plus 16 and a half for Kansas after Kansas took some, some strong, sharp money. Uh, granted it, it was, you know, against some lackluster competition, but offensively sauce's boy, Jalen Daniels has continued to show pro- very promising progression as a passer. He, he's, he's thus far completed 75% of his passes. And of course he continues to dice up defenses with his legs. I love how Ray sprinkled in Texas's efficiency and really kind of know-how. And it, I feel like this is a great, it's just a, a test to great coaching. They've been, they've been very solid at being able to spy the quarterback and making sure that, that it doesn't destroy them. That's going to be huge, you know, this week against Kansas, but uh, you know, this, this offense has had an impressive 0.46 EPA per play in the past game. And, you know, with all that in mind, these are completely, completely different dudes in Texas than they have seen in, you know, BYU. They 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 played Nevada and um, they played like Missouri State. Uh, Jalen will definitely need to just evade pressure even better than he has uh, and definitely even better than he has against Illinois, where, you know, we saw we saw Jimmy Newton, you know, he Jimmy lived in the backfield in that game. I mean, we watched it. It it did not look good. He he exploited that offensive line. He tallied two sacks. You know, Daniels will need to do better than even that. And this is going to be a, a lot tougher of a task. Uh defensively, the only thing the only thing that matters in my opinion and is definitely the key to this game on whether Kansas covers the spread and even ultimately has a shot. Because this, this is a fun, exciting Kansas team. I would not be completely shocked if, if they could uh, find a way to, to make it, like, scary close. And, you know, we've talked about it all year. This is a stacked Longhorns team. The really big key of the game is going to be whether they can create consistent pressure against the Quinn Ewers. He actually has been one of the most horrid quarterbacks under pressure in the country so far. He has an average passer rating of 64 uh, but he also has a passer rating of 125 with a clean pocket. I was not able to do enough research before this pod to confirm it, but I do believe that is the widest margin in the country. Um, so this is going to go down to can you know can seniors Jerome Robinson and Hay- Hayden Hatcher get to the quarterback? And 
you know, it, that will be my biggest question. And, you know, Brian Borland, his third season there, he's shown to be an exciting defensive coordinator for, for the Jayhawks. Can he design up some blitzes to really get the O-line on their back feet and, you know, get, keep them guessing? Yeah, I think for Kansas, big thing for them is to limit the explosive plays. There's so many explosive players for Texas. They just have to keep stuff in front of them, and they really have to make this a grinded-out game. Texas top 20 in yards per completion at almost 15 yards. Um, so corners, Kobe Bryant is most likely going to be attached to to Xavier Worthy, but Texas got the, a lot of dudes that they can spread the ball around. Um, got to keep stuff in front of it. Got to get Devin Neal going on the ground for Kansas. Really try to grind out this game um, and just have elongated possessions. Uh, Should be a really good one. I'm looking forward to this one for sure. Um, Let's go to the fourth game. We got number 13, LSU, going to number 20, Ole Miss. I don't know how the fuck Ole Miss is still ranked. That team is fucking pathetic. Um, LSU, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Um, They snuck away with a win last week, and Ole Miss just – Still cannot run the ball to save its life, even with Quinshaw Jokins. Um, Dino, we'll, we'll start with you here. Talk to me about Ole Miss and how they need to right the ship. Yeah, no, I was so upset that this game opened up around a total of 62 and a half, and it just like slingshot it to 67 and a half. This game is going to have just a boat, boat load of points and is openly, it's my vote for for the game of the week. I mean, I guess that's not crazy bold, but it th- there's there's a few there's a few games with you know higher totals, and I think this one might might be just the highest in general. You know, I'm not at all worried about this Jackson Dart you know led Ole Miss offense. Yes, they've been abysmal running the ball. Who cares? Jackson Dart's him. I think he's actually I think he's very good. I, I mean, after only scoring ten points on Bama's defense, I was not at all deterred. I, I mean, that Bama defense might just be the best in the country. It's unreal. And and Dart still played very well. I mean, I think he went like 20 for 34 or something like that, like 57% completion percentage, 244 yards. He didn't have a touchdown passing, but he had a he only had one pick. I mean, he he played solid. And um, you know, my key to this game will definitely lie on the offensive side of the ball and LSU's third down defense. They they let up, you know, third downs of conversions at a clip of about 64% to FSU. Obviously we know what happened in that game week one, FSU kind of pounced on them, especially pouring it on late in the game. Um, And then Arkansas just this past week, you know, an Arkansas that should not have been that close in that tight in a game against LSU, you know, they converted 62% of the time and lost a close battle 31 to 34. So if this, you know, if this Ole Miss offense can just convert on those, you know, if, if they can make those first and second downs, you know, efficient enough where you're third, that you're third and short most of the time, it, it there tends to be a trend where this LSU defense, which I, I think is not good at all. If, if you could just get some third downs rolling on them, it could kind of start to snowball. Now on the defensive side of the ball, you know, an underrated part of the LSU offense has been their run game, which averages which average which averages 0.3 EPA per run. Uh luckily though, the the Rebels run defense has been awesome. It's allowed less than 3 yards per carry and it's played the likes of, you know, an Alabama. But but when it comes to stopping the pass, it just isn't going to happen. You know, Jaden Daniels will get his, but if they can definitely stunt stunt the run game and 
you know, be efficient on third down. I think they win this game. Definitely. Nice. Right. Talk to me about LSU and uh, how they keep it going. Yeah. I mean, I think D and I are pretty much on the same page. I think defensively for LSU, it all comes down to stopping that the, the running game of Ole Miss. I think when Ole Miss gets their running game going, that's when that offense is really at its peak, uh, in, uh, peak strength. Uh, Alabama held them to 1.9 per 1.9 yards per carry last week. And like Dean said, I think the goal for LSU is to keep Ole Miss behind the sticks. And like he said, get off the field on third down. That's really where they've been struggling. Uh, Dean mentioned they went nine of 14, uh, Arkansas went nine of 14 on third and fourth down last week, which helped them dominate the time of possession despite losing the turnover battle, which is weird. I think that's really what allowed them to stay in the game. Then, but on uh, LSU on offense, this offense is so, so well balanced. Jaden Daniels uh, leading that passing attack. I think they're averaging like 390 90 yards per game, if I'm not mistaken, passing, or no, 340 yards per game, and then almost 200 yards rushing per game, led by Logan Diggs. Uh, Malik Neighbors is going to be a game wrecker in this, I'm assuming. I think they got to target him early and often. And Again, I think it all comes down to third downs and winning the turnover battle. If you do those, those are, that's how you win close games, So, especially on the road. So you can't afford to lose either of those, and I think they'll end up coming out on top. This Ole Miss offense is just not looking too good right now. Yeah, I mean, this Ole Miss defense, and especially their secondary, Dean, you mentioned it, they can't stop anybody. I mean, they let Jalen Milrow complete 81% of his passes last week, <laughs> and that guy legitimately cannot throw. I mean, I like Jalen Milrow a lot more than you guys, but yeah, I mean, it didn't look good. Um, I think for Ole Miss to stay in the game, especially offensively, this offensive line has not been great. I think they need less dart in the pocket, get him going more on the move outside the pocket, more screens to Judskins and Bentley, like get the ball in your playmaker's hands um, with a moving pocket. Um, and I think, like Dean said, I think it could be a shootout, but also, I don't know. What'd you say it was 66 and a half? 67 and a half. I don't know. I might go under here. Yeah. Awesome. I kind of, I kind of like the over big time, but that's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's get to our last game here. We got number 11, Notre Dame, going to Duke University, number 17 in the country. Notre Dame, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, coming off a tough, tough loss to raise Ohio State team. Fellas, game of the week. It was Notre Dame's got a rebound. Ray, talk to me about Duke and how they keep Notre Dame 0-2 in the last two weeks. Yeah, so this this Notre Dame this Notre Dame defense is really really strong, uh, especially when the plays are in front of them. They're pretty stout and they don't really miss many tackles. Um, so I think for Duke in particular, their their real uh, their offense is a lot of quick game, a lot of like RPOs, short screens and stuff. I think what's going to come down to for them, they really do need to incorporate some deep shots on this defense. I think this defense is going to be coming down hard and coming down very often. So I think. Mixing a couple of deep shots, that's where Notre Dame kind of, I mean, they got beat, if you think about yeah. it, during the, at that last drive, they those uh, intermediate passes, and then that one Travion Henderson long run. So I think the big play is what Notre Dame is susceptible to. So maybe lull them to sleep with that tempo and the, that quick game and then take one over the top. I also think Riley Leonard's legs are going to play a huge part in this on third down and in the red zone. I think – uh, their Notre Dame's defense really did allow Kyle McCord 
some space, and but he just doesn't have the athleticism. I think Riley Leonard is really going to take advantage of that. And then on defense, it all comes, it all starts with uh, stopping or I guess limiting Estime. Uh, he was the nation's top runner going to last week, and Ohio State was able to hold him to only 70 yards. So I think it really – I know Sam Hartman, under center, he's been electric all the talk, but they don't really have anyone on the outside that truly, truly scares me. And I think this offense is at its full strength when estimate is dominating. So I think you limit him first, keep them behind the sticks, give them the third and the intermediate to long range, and then this Duke defense has been really stout this year. So I think that's their uh, – their path to victory. Nice. Dino, talk to me about Notre Dame and how they ride the ship. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, you know, this line opened at Notre Dame given six and a half. It's now down slightly to, to five and a half. And the total is well ticked down from, you know, 55 and a half to, to 52. Um, and I think that's, I think there's a pretty correct correction by, by the public and, and Vegas. Cause Honestly, I, I don't see – this game might be just kind of a grinder game. Five and a half is such a trap line. You actually can't touch that. It's I think it's perfectly priced. Uh, I, I guess I'll start on the offensive side of the ball for Notre Dame. I, I still definitely believe in Sam Harden. I, I think he's I think he's awesome, honestly. I think he's gritty. Uh, I love the way he plays the game. I, I think he put Notre Dame in a position for the most part to win that game against Ohio State. Um, just did not end up shaking their way. I think, but I think it's going to change. I think it's going to turn around most likely, um, you know, this Saturday at seven 30 and he might be in a position to have actually a kind of big day. When you kind of think about the fact that Duke, they are ranked currently around, you know, mid forties, 49th um, at some places uh, defensively. And, you know, thus far they have actually gone against the 107th, um, strength of their 107th in strength of schedule going against so far. I know that includes a, a Clemson team, but they've played basically nobody. And that Clemson team might as well have been us three and, you know, a few of our friends out there on the football field because that was the worst showing almost by <laughs> a, f- a football team week one I've almost ever seen in my life. Uh, but they played Lafayette, uh, you know, Northwestern and, and a UConn team. So this is, they're going to be their by my account, their actual real first uh, attempt at a at a at a good good football team, and I think this Notre Dame offensive line is just going to push them around. And I think Sam Hartman's going to have shot to again have a great bounce back day. I think they're angry. I think they're mad. Uh, that that Ohio State game was definitely theirs. And on the defensive side of the ball, I won't even divulge, you know, much more. Ray kind of said it, but this D has been awesome. They were amazing against. Uh, against Ohio State, and my key of the game that I wrote down was Notre Dame D versus Riley Leonard's legs. I could not agree more. You cannot let him go five for 98 like he did against Clemson. You cannot let him get easy third downs on third and eight where he's scrambling outside of the pocket. You got great coverage, and you just let him get out there. This is going to have to be a a coaching adjustment, and I might – I might be shotgunning Notre Dame. I might be talking myself into it right now. But, <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll let it uh, I'll I'll let it uh, let it marinate. I'll let it marinate just just for a second. He started his monologue by saying you can't touch it, and then he ended yeah, it by I know. Saying he's, <laughs> he just talks himself into it. Um, I, I think big start that way. 
big big key for the game i think is the interior defensive line for duke alt and fisher for notre dame have been outstanding this whole season i think Dwayne carter who's an absolute beast in the middle of this duke defensive line has to be big time stopping the run and getting after sam hartman um and then when notre dame does get down in the red zone Duke needs to force stops. They're number two in the country right now in red zone defense, but Notre Dame has been excellent all season. I think they're top 10 in red zone efficiency. Um, So they need to get stops, need to limit the touchdowns, need to get field goals out of Notre Dame and just keep this game close and have a chance at the end of the game for Riley Leonard to go make a play. Um, I think this should be a great game, honestly. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Me and you both, brother. All right, boys. Good stuff on the game previews. Let's get to the main event. Let's talk some units. Let's go over last week's bets before we get into week five. Ray, you want to start us off? Yeah, so um, let me see what I went total. I can't do that math off the top of my head. Uh, up up 2.1 units about. Um, so I hit on my UNC team total over 29.5 first pit. That one smashed pretty well. I think they finished with 42, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a two-unit bet. And then my other two-unit bet was Ohio State money line at minus 148. Um, and then I missed my third, the, the teaser, um, which, which oh, the Auburn A&M over. That one fucking crushed me. Uh, Connor Weigman <laughs> out for the year. Uh, his I think he injured his foot, which really sucks. I do love him as a prospect as well next year. But, yeah, this Texas A&M team, god damn, man, they got to figure it out. Uh, so, yeah, positive week, though. Nice. Dino, what'd you have? Um, your boy had one moment. Uh I your boy had oh that would not be okay. I had Florida State money line. Easy money. Uh I put uh two and a half units. <laughs> Easy money was sweating that whole fucking game. <laughs> you Bro, called it you game. called it o- you called it over at least three times. I know. <laughs> That's how I knew I was gonna win. Let's go reverse psychology, buddy. But um, yeah, two and a half units on that to win uh 1.85. That was money line at minus 135. And then I had T te- this was oh my god, talk about not sweating. I'm not even kidding. I was brisk. There wasn't a bead of sweat coming off my body for this game. TCU horn frogs put some respect on their goddamn name. Six and a half as the spread against SMU. That was ridiculous. I should have put Raymond's future on it. I wouldn't have got much back, but put two and a half units on that one to win 2.27. So big sweep day uh, for, for the homie in, uh, in college. Good stuff, fellas. And I will say this is the first positive week for all three of us in college football. So the boys are getting hot. So get ready for a week five bets. Um <laughs> Don't get ready for mine. My my first bet, and my God, this should have been a perfect week. I had Oregon team total over 44 and a half when they had 35 points at halftime. That's and they sad. were just dominating. They had 42 with like seven minutes left in the third quarter. <laughs> and they just went blank with the with the backups. All I needed was a field goal. Um, so that actually hurts. Brutal. So I only had one unit on that game at least. Um, and then I had Penn State. Minus 13 and a half for two units. Um, Penn State, another wagon, just cannot stop covering. Nice win over Iowa. And then I had, talk about wagon, Washington, minus 13 and a half. And BYU went against my 
went against my heart last week that with them playing Kansas, but 17 and a half was too much. And I had a two unit tease there. So up two point one units for me in week four, fellas, let's get to week five. Ray, start us off. Yeah. So I completely sprinkled the board board this week. Um, Full disclosure, DraftKings really refusing to let me put any teasers in. It's fucking infuriating me, but I, it's probably for the best because I think I've only hit one out of like the seven this year. Um, so let's start. Four, they're all just five one-unit bets. I did under. What? And they're, That's they're, sick. Yeah, so, and four of them are minus 110. So under 44 and a half in Utah at Oregon State. I mentioned it earlier. I think it's going to be a fucking just a defensive battle. Um, so I really do love that under, even though it is 44 and a half. It's a little low for college. And then I followed up a couple overs, um, over 63 and a half in South Carolina at Tennessee. I think both these offenses are going to put up points. I think Tennessee may carry the load a little bit too. So I don't think uh, your boy Spencer Rattler has to do too much for me to win that one. Uh, and then also over 67, that LSU Ole Miss game. I liked it before we started talking about it in the preview. I don't like it as much now, but fuck it. We'll see how it goes. Um, and then, one unit on Oregon minus 27 at Stanford. I think this Oregon offense is fucking rolling. I'm a little bit worried with them on the road, on the road, but Stanford is just a mess as well. So I'm not too worried. So that's a unit on that. And then I finished it off with a plus 200 underdog Arkansas money line, uh, one unit to win two. I think they're home. They just fucking lost a heartbreaker to um, LSU, obviously. So I think they'll be. I think KJ Jefferson is playing really good football right now. I think he will be able to get it done for them. Nice, Dino. What do you got? Uh, these are completely shotgun bets. Follow them, but um, follow them at your own risk. I I have to take the the Utah Utes plus three and a half. I'm going to put two and a half units on that uh, to win. One second. To win two point two seven uh, at minus one ten, I know that I implied at the top of the pod that this means that Cam Rising and Brent Keithy are not playing, but this defense is good enough where even if they're not playing, and just like Ray said, I would probably lean on the under here, and if that's the case, and this is a a close grinded out game, I definitely want the team in this scenario with that's getting you know over a field goal at three and a half. So give me Utah. And guess what? If you get lucky and you get cam rising, boom, it's a lock. Um, Then, uh, then my other two and a half units has to go on Notre Dame minus five and a half. I talk myself into it. It's just the, it's just the beauty of the game. Don't bet it. You can't bet it, but guess what? You still bet it. So, so we'll do a Notre Dame minus five and a half against the Duke blue devils. Fuck Duke. And, um, you know, Sam Hartman is mad. This this team is mad. And hopefully, hopefully, they play 11 people on defense, and then they'll definitely cover this spread. Dean, you are some kind of special human, my brother. Love you. One of them. For me, Ray, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on Arkansas. I don't have the money line. I actually bought a point in this game, too. Um, I have Arkansas plus 7.5 for all the reasons you said. Um, no Weigman. They got Max Johnson, who used to be at LSU. So um, Texas A&M does have a competent veteran quarterback, but I really like the way Arkansas has been playing. Even the game they lost to BYU, they outplayed the shit out of them. Um, so I have one unit there. I have two units on Maryland, minus 13.5 versus Indiana. It's minus 125. Um, this is the first true road game for Indiana, so I love that. Maryland 
talk about an, uh, sort of an under-the-radar team right now. They are beating the shit out of people the last few, the last few weeks. And, and Tuli uh, Tagovailoa has been playing awesome. So, honestly, I think Maryland wins this game by three touchdowns. So, give me 13 and a half. And then we're rolling with the wagon teaser. Um, two units, Penn State minus 15 and a half. First Northwestern, Washington minus seven. Um, and then I also added Georgia minus four against Auburn in that tease, 10 point tease. It's plus 100, even odds, two units to win two units. Lock it up, boys. Let's go, baby. Free units, baby. All right, fellas, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our college football week five preview. Stay with us. We got the NFL week four coming up. We got prospects to dive into, so it's all going to be good stuff moving forward. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at Two Tackles with the number two. You can also find us now on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us. We continue this 2023-2024 season, fellas. Appreciate you.